Story number 16 of Lucy Maud Montgomery's Short Stories, 1905 to 1906. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jean Bascom. Lucy Maud Montgomery's Short Stories, 1905 to 1906 by Lucy Maud Montgomery. STORY NUMBER SIXTEEN THE BLUE NORTH ROOM This, said Sarah, laying Aunt Josephina's letter down on the kitchen table with such energy that in anybody but Sarah it must have been said she threw it down, this is positively the last straw. I have endured all the rest. I have given up my chance of a musical education when Aunt Nan offered it, that I might stay home and help Willard pay the mortgage off, if it doesn't pay us off first, and I have, which was much harder, accepted the fact that we can't possibly afford to send Ray to the Valley Academy, even if I wore the same hat and coat for four winters. I did not grumble when Uncle Joel came here to live because he wanted to be near his dear nephew's children. I felt it my Christian duty to look pleasant when we had to give Cousin Caroline a home to save her from the poorhouse. But my endurance and philosophy, and worst of all, my furniture, has reached a limit. I cannot have Aunt Josephina come here to spend the winter, because I have no room to put her in. "'Hello, Sally. What's the matter?' asked Ray, coming in with a book. It would have been hard to catch Ray without a book. He generally took one even to bed with him. Ray had a head full of brains, and Sarah thought it was a burning shame that there seemed to be no chance of his going to college. "'You look all rumpled up in your conscience, beloved sis,' the boy went on chafingly. "'My conscience is all right,' said Sarah severely. "'It's worse than that. If you please, here's a letter from Aunt Josephina. She writes that she is very lonesome. Her son has gone to South America and won't be back until spring, and she wants to come and spend the winter with us.' "'Well, why not?' asked Ray serenely. Nothing ever bothered Ray. The more the merrier. "'Ray Sheldon, where are we to put her? We have no spare room, as you well know. Can't she room with Cousin Caroline?' "'Cousin Caroline's room is too small for two. "'It's full to overflowing with her belongings now, "'and Aunt Josephina will bring two trunks at least. "'Try again, bright boy. "'What's the matter with the Blue North room?' "'There's nothing the matter with it. "'Oh, nothing at all. "'We could put Aunt Josephina in there, "'but where will she sleep? "'Where will she wash her face? "'Will it not seem slightly inhospitable "'to invite her to sit on a bare floor?' "'Have you forgotten that there isn't a stick of furniture in the Blue North Room, "'and worse still, that we haven't a spare cent to buy any, not even the cheapest kind?' "'I'll give it up,' said Ray. "'I might have a try at squaring the circle, if you ask me, "'but the solution of the Aunt Josephina problem is beyond me. "'The solution is simply that we must write to Aunt Josephina, "'politely but firmly, that we can't have her come, "'owing to lack of accommodation.' "'We must write the letter, Ray. Make it as polite as you can, but above all, make it firm.' "'Oh, but Sally, dear,' protested Ray, who didn't relish having to write such a letter, "'isn't this rather hasty, rather inhospitable? Poor Aunt Josephina must really be rather lonely, and it's only natural she should want to visit her relations.' "'We're not her relations,' cried Sarah. "'We're not a speck of relation, really.' "'She's only the half-sister of mother's half-brother. "'That sounds nice and relation-y, doesn't it? "'And she's fussy and interfering, and she will fight with Cousin Caroline. "'Everybody fights with Cousin Caroline.' "'Except Sarah,' interrupted Ray, but Sarah went on with a rush. "'And we won't have a minute's peace all winter. "'Anyhow, where could we put her even if we wanted her to come? "'No, we can't have her.' "'Mother was always very fond of Aunt Josephina,' said Ray reflectively. 
Sarah had her lips open, all ready to answer whatever Ray might say, but she shut them suddenly, and the boy went on. Aunt Josephina thought a lot of Mother, too. She used to say she knew there was always a welcome for her at Maple Hollow. It does seem a pity, Sally dear, for your mother's daughter to send word to Aunt Josephina, per my mother's son, that there isn't room for her any longer at Maple Hollow. I shall leave it to Willard, said Sarah abruptly. If he says to let her come, she shall come, even if Dorothy and I have to camp in the barn. I'm going to have a prowl around the garret, said Ray, apropos of nothing. And I shall get the tea ready, answered Sarah briskly. Dorothy will be home from school very soon, and I hear Uncle Joel stirring. Willard won't be back till dark, so there's no use waiting for him. At twilight, Sarah decided to walk up the lane and meet Willard. She always liked to meet him thus when he had been away for a whole day. Sarah thought there was nobody in the world as good and dear as Willard. It was a dull gray November twilight. The maples in the hollow were all leafless, and the hawthorn hedge along the lane was sere and frosted. A little snow had fallen in the afternoon, and lay in broad patches on the brown fields. The world looked very dull and dispirited, and Sarah sighed. She could not help thinking of the dark side of things just then. "'Everything is wrong,' said poor Sarah dolefully. "'Willard has to work like a slave, and yet with all his efforts he can barely pay the interest on the mortgage. And Ray ought to go to college, but I don't see how we can ever manage.' To be sure, he won't be ready until next fall, but we won't have the money then any more than now. It would take every bit of a hundred and fifty dollars to fit him out with books and clothes, and pay for board and tuition at the academy. If he could just have a year there, he could teach and earn his own way through college, but we might as well hope for the moon as one hundred and fifty dollars. Sarah sighed again. She was only eighteen, but she felt very old. Willard was nineteen, and Willard had never had a chance to be young. His father had died when he was twelve, and he had run the farm since then, he and Sarah together indeed, for Sarah was a capital planner and manager and worker. The little mother had died two years ago, and the household cares had all fallen on Sarah's shoulders since. Sometimes, as now, they pressed very heavily, but a talk with Willard always heartened her up. Willard had his blue spells, too, but Sarah thought it a special providence that their blue turns never came together. When one got downhearted, the other was always ready to do the cheering up. Sarah was glad to hear Willard whistling when he drove into the lane. It was a sign that he was in good spirits. He pulled up, and Sarah climbed into the wagon. "'Things go all right today, Sally?' he asked cheerfully. "'There was a letter from Aunt Josephina,' answered Sarah, anxious to get the worst over. "'And she wants to come to Maple Hollow for the winter.' I thought at first we just couldn't have her, but I decided to leave it to you. Well, we've got a pretty good houseful already, said Willard thoughtfully. But I suppose if Aunt Josephina wants to come, we'd better have her. I always liked Aunt Josephina, and so did Mother, you know. I don't know where we can put her. We haven't any spare room, Will. Ray and I can sleep in the kitchen loft. You and Dolly take our room, and let Aunt Josephina take yours. "'The kitchen loft isn't really fit to sleep in,' said Sarah pessimistically. "'It's awfully cold, and there are mice and rats. Ugh! You and Ray will get nibbled in spots. "'But it's the only thing to do if we must have Aunt Josephina. "'I'll get Ray to write to her tomorrow. "'I couldn't put enough cordiality into the letter if I wrote it myself.' "'Ray came in while Willard was at supper. "'There were cobwebs all over him, from his head to his heels. "'I've solved the Aunt J problem,' he announced cheerfully. "'We will furnish the Blue North Room.' "'With what?' asked Sarah disbelievingly. "'I've been poking around in the garret and in the carriage-house loft,' said Ray, "'and I've found furniture galore. 
It's very old and cobwebby, witness my appearance, and very much in the want of scrubbing and a few nails, but it will do. I'd forgotten about all those old things, said Sarah slowly. They've never been used since I can remember, and long before. They were discarded before Mother came here, but I thought they were all broken and quite useless. Not at all. I believe we can furbish them up sufficiently to make the room habitable. It will be rather old-fashioned, but then it's Hobson's choice. There are the pieces of an old bed out in the loft, and they can be put together. There's an old corner cupboard out there, too, with leaded glass doors, two old solid wooden armchairs, and a funny old chest of drawers with a writing desk in place of the top drawer, all full of yellow old letters and trash. I found it under a pile of old carpet. Then there's a washstand, and also a towel rack up in the garret, and the funniest old table with three-claw legs and a tippy top. One leg is broken off, but I hunted around and found it, and I guess we can fix it on. And there are two more old chairs, and a queer little oval table with a cracked swing mirror on it. I have it, exclaimed Sarah, with a burst of inspiration. Let us fix up a real old-fashioned room for Aunt Josephina. It won't do to put anything modern with those old things. One would kill the other. I'll put Mother's rag carpet down in it, and the four braided mats Grandma Sheldon gave me, and the old brass candlestick, and the Irish chain coverlet. Oh, I believe it will be lots of fun. It was. For a week, the Sheldons hammered and glued and washed and consulted. The north room was already papered with a blue paper of an old-fashioned stripe and diamond pattern. The rag carpet was put down, and the braided rugs laid on it. The old bedstead was set up in one corner, and, having been well cleaned and polished with beeswax and turpentine, was really a handsome piece of furniture. On the washstand, Sarah placed a quaint old basin and ewer, which had been Grandma Sheldon's. Ray had fixed up the table as good as new. Sarah had polished the brass claws, and on the table she put the brass tray, two candlesticks, and snuffers, which had been long stowed away in the kitchen loft. The dressing-table and swing mirror, with its scroll frame of tarnished gilt, was in the window corner, and opposite it was the old chest of drawers. The cupboard was set up in a corner, and beside it stood the spinning-wheel from the kitchen loft. The big grandfather clock, which had always stood in the hall below, was carried up, and two platters of blue willow-ware were set up over the mantel. Above them was hung the faded sampler that Grandma Sheldon had worked ninety years ago when she was a little girl. "'Do you know?' said Sarah, when they stood in the middle of the room and surveyed the result. I expected to have a good laugh over this, but it doesn't look funny at all. The things all seem to suit each other some way, and they look good, don't they? I mean, they look real, clear through. I believe that table and those drawers are solid mahogany, and look at the carving on those bedposts. Cleaning them has made such a difference. I do hope Aunt Josephina won't mind their being so old. Aunt Josephina didn't. She was very philosophical about it when Sarah explained that Cousin Caroline had the spare room and the blue north room was all they had left. "'Oh, it will be all right,' she said, plainly determined to make the best of things. "'Those old things are thought a lot of now anyhow. I can't say I fancy them much myself. I like something a little brighter, but the rich folks have gone cracked over them. I know a woman in Boston that's got her whole house furnished with old truck, and as soon as she hears of any old furniture anywhere, she's not contented till she's got it. She says it's her hobby, and she spends a heap on it. She'd be in raptures if she saw this old room of yours, Sari. Do you mean, said Sarah slowly, that there are people who would buy old things like this? Yes, and pay more for them than you would buy a real nice set with a maple-topped bury. You may well say there's lots of fools in the world, Sari. Sarah was not saying or thinking any such thing. It was a new idea to her that any value was attached to old furniture, for Sarah lived very much out of the world of fads and collectors.' 
but she did not forget what Aunt Josephina had said. The winter passed away. Aunt Josephina plainly enjoyed her visit, whatever the Sheldons felt about it. In March her son returned, and Aunt Josephina went home to him. Before she left, Sarah asked her for the address of the woman whose hobby was old furniture, and the very afternoon after Aunt Josephina had gone, Sarah wrote and mailed a letter. For a week she looked so mysterious that Willard and Ray could not guess what she was plotting. At the end of that time, Mrs. Stanton came. Mrs. Stanton always declared afterwards that the mere sight of that blue north room gave her raptures. Such a find! Such a discovery! A bedstead with carved posts, a clotheted table, real old willowware plates with the birds' bills meeting. Here was the luck, if you like. When Willard and Ray came home to tea, Sarah was sitting on the stairs counting her wealth. Sally, where did you discover all that long lost treasure? demanded Ray. Mrs. Stanton of Boston was here today, said Sarah, enjoying the moment of revelation hugely. She makes a hobby of collecting old furniture. I sold her every blessed thing in that blue north room except Mother's carpet and Grandma's mats and sampler. She wanted those, too, but I couldn't part with them. She bought everything else, and, Sarah lifted her hands full of bills dramatically, here are two hundred and fifty dollars to take you to the Valley Academy next fall, Ray. It wouldn't be fair to take it for that, said Ray, flushing. You and Will. Will and I say you must take it, said Sarah. Don't we, Will? There is nothing we want so much as to give you a college start. It is an enormous burden off my mind to think it is so nicely provided for. Besides, most of those old things were yours by the right of rediscovery, and you voted first of all to having Aunt Josephina come. You must take it, of course, Ray, said Willard. Nothing else would give Sarah and me so much pleasure. A blessing on Aunt Josephina. Amen, said Sarah and Ray. End of the Blue North Room. Recording by Jean Bascom, Potomac, Maryland.